Thank you all. Thank you, all of you in the band, for playing for us and leading us in those great, great worship songs. It's good to sing praises to the Lord, and it's good to be with you today. And uh, we wanted to let you know that we certainly are in prayer for our preacher today. Craig uh, contacted me yesterday and said that he is just not feeling good at all this weekend. So he's sick today, not able to be here, but he really, really wants to be here, and uh, we miss him for sure. And uh, we're, we're grateful that uh, we have a congregation where our, our preacher loves us, and we love our preacher. And all through the history of Southwest that I've been at for 40-some-odd years, I can know that the church has always loved its preacher and ministers, and, and we're grateful for them. But you know what? That's not true in all churches. Have you ever been to a church where folks don't like the preacher a little bit? Um, I have before, and uh, I can uh, speak uh, testimony to that. And so I heard about a situation of a church uh, a while back, and this, this was a church uh, a few years ago, before we were singing songs like that this morning. But... Um, I want to tell you this story about this church. Uh, apparently, there was a church where the preacher and the music team didn't get along, all right? They didn't get along. And so uh, they figured out a way that they were going to try to undermine the preacher and see if they could encourage him to go on down the road somewhere else. So they knew about the church had a, a, a preaching plan. And, you know, we've been in this series, conversion uh, series, over the past few weeks from the book of Acts. And so the preacher had a plan, and, and so he, he, one week he decided he was going to preach on commitment and how everybody should dedicate themselves to the service of the Lord. And so he went through this impassioned, uh, great, great uh, speech about being committed and stirring people up, and the music leader got up at the end of the song, and end of his, his appeal, and, and led the song called, I Shall Not Be Moved. Well, then the second week comes along, the preacher is preaching on tithing and giving, and that everybody should gladly give to the work of the Lord. And in fact, the church had a building program on, and people had made commitments, and they needed to fulfill their commitments and pay their tithe and pay their commitment. And the music director got up at the end and lived the song, Jesus paid it all. The third week, the preacher preached on gossip, gossiping. And how we should all watch our tongues and what we say. Followed by the music director leading the song, I Love to Tell the Story. With all this going on, the preacher, as you can imagine, became very discouraged over the situation. And so the following Sunday, he told the congregation that sadly he was considering resigning. Followed by the song led by the music leader, Why Not Now? Finally, as it came to pass, the preacher did indeed resign. The next week, he informed the congregation that it was Jesus who led him there, and it was Jesus that was leading him away, followed by a song from the music leader entitled, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Well, we don't look at our preacher that way, obviously. We love Craig, and we miss Craig, and we look forward to him uh, being healed this week and getting better and being back with us next week and continuing to preach for us. 
So yesterday when I heard from Craig that he wasn't going to be able to be here and, and uh, to think about what I'd preach about today, I said, well, what can I do that is in sync with what we've been doing, this conversion factor series? And so, you know, last week I was here and, and preached for you about um, uh, Paul, Saul of Tarsus, and him becoming Paul the Apostle and the transformation in his life. And I bet if I were to ask you and ask people outside of the church to name the most impactful people in the New Testament, you probably would say Paul and Peter. You'd probably say that. Even folks who aren't Christians know about Peter and Paul. And so I thought today we would take a few moments to talk about Peter. Peter, just like we did about Saul last week. Uh, Peter, a significant, significant person uh, in the Gospels and also the book of Acts. So to begin today, we're going to share a scripture from Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and then I'll give you a little bit of context on that scripture. But let me read that for you from Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. So we remember from the beginning of the book of Acts how Peter uh, is with the apostles after Jesus' resurrection, waiting there uh, for the Holy Spirit and the day of Pentecost and the wonderful uh, demonstration of God's power and spirit that day and how on that day is so powerful that 3,000 respond to the invitation on that first first day and, and that people from there would be joining the, 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 the membership, the part of the family of God in droves and droves and droves as the apostles were preaching the gospel message, the resurrection of Jesus. Most specifically in Acts chapter 3, we find out that accompanying that are signs and wonders. In the, in the first century, accompanying the gospel were miraculous gifts that got the attention of people. That said, this is more than just your run-of-a-mill person coming through saying, I'm God, follow me. This is something real going on here. So we have this situation where the lame man is healed, and he says, you know, he says, would you heal me? And Peter says, well, silver and gold have I none, but such of what I have I'll give you. And he, walking and leaping and praising God, all that kind of thing. And the testimony that went around, as you can imagine, is this person who was an adult and had been healed was walking around. And people said, what in the world happened to you? This, these Peter and John talking about Jesus Christ and through his power healed me. So this is going on. Well, after this happens, the leaders of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the day were concerned, were upset about it because they saw this gospel of Jesus Christ as heretical, a heresy. This is, what is this? We're always been raised to believe there's one God and now you're saying that this man came and said he's God, this is heresy. And that's the way they looked at it. In addition, they didn't like the fact that these folks were getting a lot of attendance, a lot of popularity taken away from theirs. And so those kind of things were going on. And as a result, uh, Peter and John are, are thrown into jail. 
uh, stop this preaching. This is crazy. Stop it. Throw into jail. And so the people are so much on the side of Peter and John and what they've seen. And, and, and the scripture says that, you know, the, the leaders can just really can't say anything because when they're accusing them of her heresy, this guy that they've healed is standing there in the crowd and saying, oh, this gospel is what had part in healing me here today. And so finally what they do is they decide we're going to give them a stern warning. So they let them out of jail, but they say, now listen, you stop this. You stop this preaching. And that's when the scripture we just read comes into play where Peter and John said, look, you know, you do what, you know, what you're going to do, but as for us, we can't stop speaking about what we have seen and heard, and that is Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to talk about someone who was transformed by Jesus Christ. Now, this is not a classic conversion story. Most of the stories in the book of Acts that involve Peter or Paul are talking about them converting other people and so you'll read a lot about that in the weeks to come about Peter and Paul but let's talk about this Peter and how he got to where he could be that person who's who's saying I'm going to speak about him no matter what you say you, you can throw me in jail I'm going to speak about him what do we remember about old Peter you know we know that he was a native of Galilee Capernaum probably one of those uh, coastal towns there on the Sea of Galilee he, he had a normal education, most likely. He could probably speak a little bit of Greek and his native Aramaic tongue. Uh, he was not formally schooled as much as the Apostle Paul in the rabbinical teaching, but he had probably a little bit of it. He had a tough life. What do we remember about him? He was a fisherman, a fisherman, and that was a rough life. It's not me going out there on the riverbank with my Zebco 33 and reeling it in. No, it was a tough life, a rough life. And, and fishermen had to be uh, uh, vigorous people, sturdy physically. Uh, they, would be, they would have times where they cut their hands and arms and, you know, just in working with, with what they were doing. The nets were always in need of mending and they were heavy. And, and you think about these boats, which were probably... 20, 30 feet long that they would fish in and out there on a sea and the, and the storms that would come up and trying to, you know, maneuver the sails and, and oars. It took physically a lot of effort. And this was Peter. And we remember him as, we, as we, we're introduced to him. The scripture talks to us about that uh, Simon uh, met Jesus, Simon Peter, through his brother Andrew who had followed Jesus after hearing John the Baptist preach about Jesus. Andrew immediately goes to find his brother to bring him to Jesus. And upon meeting Simon, Jesus says, I'm going to give you a new name, Cephas, which is Aramaic, Peter in Greek. And it has the idea of a rock, a little rock, like you hold in your hand. Later, Jesus officially calls Peter to follow him. Come and follow me. And remember the miraculous catch of fish? Put your net down there. Peter leaves everything to follow Jesus. And for the next three years, he lives as a disciple of Jesus, becoming like a spokesman also, almost of the twelve. He's one who speak up. He, he was impetuous like that. It was Peter who would be the one when everybody else is stumbling around. And then when Jesus says, who do people say I am? Finally, Peter's the one who says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
And Jesus says, blessed are you, Peter, because on this confession of faith that Jesus is the Christ, I'm going to build my church. Peter was part of that inner circle of disciples. We hear about him with Peter, James, and John. We hear about him when Jairus' daughter's raised and the others aren't there. We hear about him with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Moses and Elijah appearing with Jesus. Peter and John are there. Peter and John were given the special task of preparing the final Passover meal for Jesus. So we think about old Peter and his life and who he was. So a lot of, a lot of things were going on with him, but you know, characteristics of him. He was kind of an impulsive guy. Impulsive. Why do you say? Well, you know, he leaves his employee to follow Jesus. Now, that's a pretty big deal. We know that he was married. There were family obligations there. He leaves his job to follow Jesus. And we know that people probably thought he was crazy. Can you imagine the ridicule that goes with that? <laughs> when Jesus is walking on the water, Peter says, I can do it too. And he jumps out of the boat without thinking. And he's doing all right until he starts thinking about it. And then he starts sinking. We remember that. We remember when Jesus is being arrested, that impetuous Peter. <laughs> he's the one who, I'm going to cut off the ear of that soldier and grab my sword and so forth. He's the one who does that. After Jesus is risen from the dead and is on the seashore waiting for us, he's the one who jumps out of the boat to swim to Jesus. He can't wait to get there. He's an impetuous kind of guy. He's the kind of guy that, 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 that speaks before he thinks a lot of times. The kind of guy maybe you've known. The kind of person maybe you've known in your life. And yet, he's a person of contradiction. Almost like I am and you are today. Inconsistencies. Because here's this same guy who's done all these kind of things. The same guy who's willing to say, listen... I'll follow you to the death, later complains in Matthew 19 about, well, wait a minute, <laughs> this hardship that's coming, I, I don't know, We're, what's going to be left for us as the disciples when all this is going on? The same guy who says, you're the Christ, would later do what? Deny him three times until the rooster crows. The same guy who cuts off the ear in courage when they're trying to arrest Jesus, is the guy who runs away to hide when they arrest him, fearful for his own neck. Then he sneaks back to snoop on it. Probably the low point, the low point in Peter's life was when he knew, he realized that he had denied the Lord, that he had denied the Lord, and, 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 and he saw his Lord crucified there, Calvary. Knew that he was in the tomb. Despondent, discouraged. Can you imagine how he felt during those days that Jesus was in the tomb? At the end of the gospel story, we see a little glimmer where Jesus is risen. And we see where G Peter has an encounter with Jesus on that beach. As Jesus is sitting there on the beach cooking breakfast and eats breakfast with the disciples. And oh, by the way, um, isn't that going to be a great thing about heaven? Because the Bible says we're going to be like Jesus when we're raised. And Jesus was making breakfast, so that means we're going to be eating in heaven. And that means I'm having biscuits and gravy in heaven, you know? Amen. That's great. Not going to worry about fat grams then, okay? Yeah. You think about it, though. 
And, and this is significant. When we think about the veracity, the truthfulness of our faith and our confidence in what we believe, we have to think about the changed lives that we saw in New Testament. That something happened that off the pages of history, all of a sudden, boom, you've got this church growing by thousands and thousands and thousands. You've got this church that's taken over the Roman Empire, the gospel spreading all over. Something had to account for that. It came out of nowhere. In the face of great opposition, this continues to spread. In the face of great opposition, these preachers like Peter continue to speak and say, I cannot but speak of what I've seen and heard. My mouth won't stay shut about it. I can't help it. I can't help it. Something happened. Something happened to this guy who was wishy-washy like me, like you, with inconsistencies like me, like you, who suddenly gets hold of something and grabs hold of it and clings to it tenaciously, boldly, preaching about Christ in the face of those who would say, stop doing it or you're going to jail. Stop doing it or we're going to beat you. Stop doing it or there could be worse. We see him tenaciously persevering. The same people who had crucified Jesus are the people that he's standing before. Peter would go on to do so many things throughout the book of Acts, so many superlatives that we couldn't connect him with. Later on in the book of Acts, we know about Pentecost, but later on in Acts chapter 8, the Samaritans, the Samaritans, the cousins of the Jews, who they did not like at all, either way, were converted to Jesus Christ. The gospel went to them, and Peter was present when they received the Holy Spirit. When the Roman centurion Cornelius, Roman centurion, believed Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and received the Holy Spirit, well, Peter was present there. Peter was also in so many worlds in the, in the book of Acts. We think about he opened, had the key to unlock the door of the church to the Jews, to the Samaritan, to the Gentiles. Paul, who we talked about last week, was the apostle to the Gentiles. But Peter worked in conjunction with Paul to say to those who were opposing the spread of the gospel to the Gentiles that God does not show favoritism, that the Gentiles' position as believers was important and that they were welcome. They didn't need to conform to the Jewish law. Peter, Peter went on to do so many things. And yet later in his life, his companion would be John Mark. John Mark would be the one who would author the Gospel of Mark that we read. And the Gospel of Mark is thought to be the Gospel of Recollections of Peter as John thought about him and remembered those things. So what in the world happened to old Peter? How can we account for such a change? The same as we talked about last week. How can we account for such a change in Saul of Tarsus to become Paul the Apostle. And this is very, very important to realize that all the pieces finally came together for Peter. And in my life, in your life, as we go through life, sometimes it takes a while for the pieces to come together. 
but gradually as we pursue our relationship with Christ, they do. And we have more of a sense of who we are in him and who he wants us to be and who he's called us to be in him. The pieces came together for Peter as he recognized that this Jesus who he'd spent these years with, who talked about him, Messiah, that he really was. And his words were confirmed in the empty tomb as he rose from the dead. You know, somebody can say, I'm God, follow me, and they can, anybody can say that. But when somebody says, I'm God, follow me, they kill him and he rises from the dead, I believe that gives a little bit of credibility, a lot of credibility, and I need to listen to that person. And that's what happened in the New Testament, in the early church. That's why the church grew by leaps and bounds, because these folks who had been with Jesus, who had, who, who had listened to Jesus, who had seen him alive, seen him crucified, seen him put in the tomb, saw him come out of the tomb, saw him alive, and it changed their lives forever. And so this person like Peter and John who were told, be quiet. Your family's probably saying, be quiet. You need to, we want you home with us. But they say, I can't stop talking about Jesus. I can't do it. I can't keep living, stop living for him because it's true. Something happened. He really is who he said he is, and, and, and he's our Lord, and I have, to, I have to follow him. They expected persecution. If you've read First and Second Peter, which would be Peter's epistles in the New Testament that he wrote, you'll find many, many words about facing tough times and hanging on through tough times, tough times and persecution. And you know what? Right now our world is going through tough times. We're going through tough times, times of anxiety, times of fear, times of what's going to happen. And in those times, we need to think about Peter. And we need to think about, well, what about him? What did it cost him to be a Christian? Well, what did it cost him? Probably his family who came from what? You know, it was a theocracy there, a government, religion. It was all intertwined together, Judaism, as part of what they would grow up and what. And so the family might be looking at him like, you're abandoning what we've all grown up with. Can you imagine that? That happened to people throughout the New Testament as they became Christians. Or they go to work to their employer, the people he'd been fishing with, or, or, or people, another person who was a merchant or something, and, and, and they became a Christian, and all of a sudden the people they're working with say, you're part of that heretical movement. They're not talking to you anymore. In fact, they say, you're not working here anymore. All those kind of things happen. We always think about persecution as if a Roman soldier came up with a sword and said, don't preach about Jesus. But it was far more layered than that. It got into everyday life, and people had to make choices how much do I believe this? And they chose by the thousands and thousands and thousands to persevere and to follow Jesus and to preach the gospel. And that's why the gospel spread throughout the Roman Empire like wildfire. Ultimately, Peter would do that until the end of the road for him. We talked last week about uh, the tradition, church tradition tells us that the Apostle Paul went to Rome and was beheaded during the Roman Emperor Nero's reign. Well, we know that Peter also was probably there around the same time and that Peter was to be crucified, martyred for his 
life in Christ. And Peter, in humility, said, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not even worthy of being crucified like Jesus was. Turn me upside down. Crucify me upside down. And that's the way he went to his death. How in the world, how in the world did somebody like that, this Peter who... <laughs> On the one end is this guy who's up and down and all this, uh, you know, inconsistencies. And, 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 but he becomes this bold, determined, persevering person following Jesus Christ. Well, the simple answer is that he met Jesus, that he learned from Jesus, that he was blessed by Jesus. What did Jesus do for him? <laughs> oh, Jesus was patient with him. Throughout his ministry, Jesus forgave him, you know, when he, when he was inconsistent and unfaithful. Jesus patiently taught him. Uh, Jesus also looked at him and saw something in Peter that he saw what he could become, you know. And, and, and Peter didn't know it, but Jesus saw it. And what can we learn from all that kind of thing? As, as Jesus picks people that are in the Bible that are unlikely heroes of the faith. Unlikely. You wouldn't go out and find some fisherman who's, who doesn't have the greatest education in the world as be, and pick them to be. But Jesus did. God saw things in people's heart. And he said, I, I'm calling you just like Paul. And, and, and the good news is this. The same God today that called Peter and called Paul, saw their inconsistencies, saw their problems, and yet saw what they could be, and called them, and forgave them, and equipped them. And, and he's the same God that looks at you and me today, and looks at my frailties and my inconsistencies, but yet says, I can use you for my glory. And you too, that he's looking at you today saying, just like Peter, <laughs> I'm looking at you with a loving, gracious, forgiving heart, but also a heart that believes in you, a heart that believes in you and a heart that calls you to serve and show people me in the way that you live your life, the way that you live your life. Have you ever heard of Eddie Brown? Eddie Brown was a fellow who worked in Chicago in a warehouse complex all his life. He grew up in Kentucky. And as he went through his teenage years, he longed for uh, a way to get out of those hills of Kentucky and maybe get to the big city and, 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 and make a little money and, 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 and improve his life. And so he went to Chicago. When he was 18, he was hired to work there in a warehouse. Eight-hour eight shifts, 40 hours a week in a freezer building of a grocery store chain's main distribution center. After he'd paid his dues doing the hard work, loading frozen food into trucks and during freezing temperatures every workday for more than 10 years, he was moved around to several other departments, given kind of a promotion, finally landing in their salvage building. He became the top person in that department, seniority-wise and leadership-wise, sitting atop his forklift he would load one-ton bales of cardboard onto boxcars and truck trailers destined to go to a recycling center. Day in and day out, Eddie would show up to put in his eight hours of work. He was faithful. <laughs> During the cold and damp Chicago winters, when snow and ice blew in, 
the open training, uh, during the open warehouse doors, Eddie was still there. During the sweltering summers, when the humid air hung thick over that storage area and blowing fans merely moved the hot air around, Eddie was there, a dedicated worker, respected by all, respected by his peers and co-workers. Eddie was there. But that's not all there was to Eddie Brown. You see, there was more to Eddie's story. Eddie had a very interesting perspective about his job at the warehouse because he called it his part-time job. Oh, that's my part-time job. Even though he logged 40 hours a week, even though the company considered him full-time, Eddie would say something else about his real full-time job. During lunch and his breaks, you could find Eddie in the break room with his reading glasses on, hunched over his Bible, reading God's Word. You could see Eddie pause in prayer before he ate his lunch and before he started visiting with his co-workers. You could hear Eddie speak about his faith in Jesus Christ to those unashamedly, and you could notice that in his presence there was an absence of profanity and gutter talk. Yes, to Eddie, being a full-time employee was something different for him because he was a full-time employee of God's kingdom. When someone at the work would be in injured, Eddie would be the one to show up on their doorstep with food and with his family during their time of need. On those cold, blustery nights when someone was out in the parking lot and their battery was dead and everybody else had gone, Eddie would stay around. He'd be the one to provide a jumper cable or even take them home if their car wouldn't start. When someone had a tragic loss in their family, a loved one, Eddie'd be the one who'd show up at the funeral home, at the visitation. Eddie was faithful. And because of it, Eddie had an impact on people that he never even realized he did. He garnered their respect, and when tough times would come, Eddie would find people calling him and coming to him. Eddie had a full-time job. Now, I don't know what your full-time secular job is in this world, but you know what? I think Eddie had the right perspective. That what we do here, yes, we have to pay the bills and things like that, but it pales in significance to our ultimate calling by God. That God has called us in whatever walk of life we might be in to serve His kingdom purposes. And He will equip us and put us in places where we can be effective if we are willing. We may say, not me, I'm not qualified, but the Lord certainly doesn't look at us that way. He looks at us like he looks at Eddie, Eddie who was so effective. He looks at us as he looked at Peter, Peter who seemingly <laughs> wasn't qualified to be the leader, the big leader like Peter and Paul, leaders of the church, and yet he was because God looked at him as someone with potential and someone who was appreciative and conscious of what the grace of God had done for him. 
And you see, that's what present, that's what produces the Eddies and the Peters of this world when we understand in humility what God has done for us. And we say, what in the world can I do for God to repay him? Or what is it that I wouldn't do for God to show my gratitude to him? So God calls me and calls you today to be like Eddie wherever we are, to show our light to those around us wherever we are, that people might wonder why we are the way we are. In face of tough times when everybody else is freaking out, and going crazy, are we, the church, going to be people who say, well, <laughs> ah, yeah, things are tough, but this isn't all there is, and this world is not my home. My ultimate home is there, and I'm going to serve God who has called me to eternal purposes while I'm here. Today we're going to sing a song. The band's going to come, and this song is going to be a song of, of dedication invitation, preparation. Uh, those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ and, 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 and have heard these words about Peter, these are encouraging words to say to us, let's serve him like Peter did. Lord, give me a chance, an opportunity, place path in, in my way that I can do that. There are going to be those of us here who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're thinking, well, <laughs> you know, he, I'm not worthy of him. He wouldn't love me. But look at people in the Bible who are unlikely people that God called and loved. People just like you and just like me with frailties. And today, God calls you and invites you to come know Jesus Christ just as Peter did, just as Eddie did. But there's also a time where together we come together as the body of Christ in a few moments to proclaim to everybody around us to remember the Lord's sacrifice on Calvary as we could partake communion. And so we're going to sing a song today that's going to prepare us for all those things. And I'll be right down here. Jonathan will be right down here. If, if you need to make a decision today, we invite you as we stand and sing just now.